Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you are blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church and its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to redchurch.org.au. It's really fun to be here this morning. My name's Brittany, if I'm yet to meet you. I'm on staff here. Um, We're in a series called The Vision. Um, We're a couple of weeks in, and today we're looking at invitation, as Liddy shared earlier. And um, this series is about, yeah, where are we headed, where is God taking us, but also what's God already doing, and how do we take notice of that and partner with him in it? And we're going to actually have a video to begin this uh, service this morning, well, (laughs) this section at least, um, from Johan. If you've met Johan, I mean, he's he's a great guy. Do you know what happens to me often on a Sunday, though, is I meet someone else who Johan has invited along to church. So I'm often like, oh, hey, how'd you end up at Red? They're like, oh, I'm friends with Johan. Like, all the time. And so I was like, right, Johan, how do you invite so many people to church? What does this look like for you? So we just had a bit of a conversation um, to sit down and be like, what's your experience of this? So we're going to hear from him, and then I'm going to jump back up and kind of just look at what it looks like for us as a church to be invitational. So... Let's watch the video. Um, So what's given me a heart, I think what fueled it early on was I grew up in a household and in a setting where missions was preached, spoken. So I I kind of um, knew a lot of mission stories growing up. So Jim Elliott, Adoniram Judson, and all those boys were kind of my favorite growing up. And um, but it didn't kick in until I met the Lord in 2016. And so when I met the Lord and had that understanding of what God did, I was like, shucks, if this is for me, then this is also for those around me. And that kind of fueled just, um, yeah, my conversations with people. Uh, If the Lord would meet me, he would then meet everyone, those around me. It was very simple. So uh, I would say I grew up in a very... Like I said, I grew up in a very missional background in that sense, where my pastors were really... But my mom, actually, Mm. uh, has a real heart for kids and for people, and she was a teacher. And so at any opportunity she got, she shared. Um, And it's incredible just to see the number of kids that will now text her and say, thank you for praying for me, or whatever. Mm. Um, And uh, so it started there, and my pastors obviously fueled it. And the books I read uh, and the stories that I heard. And then scripture itself, because when you read scripture, you're like, dang, this is real. This is not like some story. And God's inviting us to now partner with him and carry this message forward. So, and it's a reality that can be lived, not on our own strength, but God gives us the, his spirit to help us. And uh, yeah, he opens doors for his name to be proclaimed. Obviously, it started with the mission stories. Then I realized that this was... God's mission and God was already doing this and then I can yeah not do this on my own or like play savior that I get to tag along with Jesus as he invites people and so then that led me to just being more open in my conversations and see where that led Um, I wouldn't bring it up until someone said something and then that would give me like an open space to then plant so yeah, and that's how I am also currently right now. Um, yeah, currently in my context, tagging along with Jesus is simply, uh, I think I have an Excel sheet <laughs> where I've listed down my, the names of my friends. Um, so Wednesday, 
on my prayer sheet, Wednesdays, uni guys. And uh, I have a sheet where I put down the names. And so most, most Wednesday, not all Wednesday, unfortunately, I, I pray for them and I ask the Lord to open their hearts and that when we have conversations that it would flow naturally. It wouldn't be me stuffing down something down their throat because we want to be friends first, right? We want that relational aspect to be strong. And then from that, uh, they see, okay, this guy's faith is a true reality for him, right? He's not just talking about it. So, yeah, and then obviously as I pray, sometimes the Lord would give like words for these people and I'll say, hey, you're feeling this. or you, And then that would open up a conversation. So I would pray a lot, uh, just for me primarily, just so that this doesn't come out of a place like, hey, bro, like, but I pray and ask the Lord just to soften their heart and that if they, yeah, that they'd be receptive to hear me. And then I just pop it up. If they say, hey, what are you doing Sunday? I said, I'm going to church. You want a tag? And most, most of the time, four out of five times they've shown up. So that's been awesome and encouraging for me to keep persevering in praying for them and yeah, just for God to work in their hearts. So yeah, just a simple question to be honest, it's not, nothing too yeah, fancy. Uh, there's two methodologies for this and depending on who I'm speaking to, um, I was actually thinking about this last night. Um, there's one I tell the whole high level story of from creation and to what God's doing, the restoration of all things and God redeeming the whole world. And yeah, so that whole high level narrative. Uh, there's the other where I would say, uh, where I would ask them if they think they're a good person or not and run them through basically like the Ten Commandments. And then I'd say, bro, you and me were in the same boat. <laughs> and then I'll say, what, what did Jesus do for guilty sinners? You know, and so that kind of hits home a little bit. Um, then for them to realize the weight of their sin and uh, what Jesus offers, right? And then I just, if possible, I pray with them and I say, cool, uh, now we just pray. Like now just seek the Lord in that sense. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's these small things. Uh, so I'm expecting for more, uh, but uh, it's, I think this is just a great way to start. I think I went before the Lord uh, in that. And yeah, I think I just put all my emotion before the Lord there. Uh, and honestly, there's just been moments where I've just wept before the Lord. Um, and there's no answer. Uh, but the thing is, I'm not, I'm not God, right? And I think just that understanding that I'm not God and God is God and that He loves them and He made them and He is calling out to them, whether I see it or not right um, gives me uh, helps me find my place in this narrative right um, and like steadies my feet because um, otherwise then i'll just be running on my own strength trying to fix but that's not the whole point of this right so yeah in, in regard to what's ahead for me I, i'm just praying for more opportunities and i pray that as we pray and as we rally prayer that we actually find people who are super open uh, to knowing Jesus and encountering him and that in that Jesus would encounter them and that they would understand the same freedom and that uh, we walk in um, and uh, yeah and that God loves them dearly uh, and that he's inviting them to know them and
dwell with them and uh, and then it's even bigger from that so yeah that i think that's the desire especially as i stay on campus mm-hmm. uh, people encounter jesus and we see like a like a whole like revival but yeah <laughs> yeah wow hey Lydia and I were sitting with him recording that and we're both um, very moved, compelled, challenged, convicted in many ways. It's changed how I'm praying. And um, what a gift to have Johan as a part of our community. And also I want to say if you are here because of him, so great to have you. (laughs) But also I want to say this is actually all of us. We are all designed to be this excited about the gospel and have that conviction and desire to share it in the same way. Because Johan sits under the same call that we all have as we become followers of Jesus. Looking at the Great Commission, if you've been following for a while, you know this passage. It's in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. But let's read it to remind ourselves. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age." It's the same call that Johan has felt and has walked in. It's the same call over your life and mine. And so I wanna look at some of the things he shared, but also look at like biblically, how do we invite people on? What did Jesus do? How do we live into that? How do we reawaken that in us? I feel like for me, sitting with Johan, I was like, I feel like I've fallen asleep on this. This is the Great Commission. This, when Jesus says these words, it's at the end of the gospel, he has risen. He's saying it to his disciples, being like, guys, go and make others. Go and tell them about who I am. Go and make disciples. Go out. And so what does that look like now? And how do we come back to that and reawaken that in us? I love that Johan said that, you know, he had some kind of history growing up, his mom's faith. How great is intergenerational faith? Just as a side note, right? What a gift that is. But he'd have that undercurrent of mission and invitation, but it was that encounter with Jesus in 2016. And so even to begin as we sit here, maybe part of what we need to ask ourselves and ask Jesus is a reawakening to our salvation and the excitement of what it is to follow Jesus. Because maybe, like I've just shared, we've fallen a bit asleep. And so one thing that I just want to hone in really quickly and early on is that prayer is the greatest tool for invitation and mission. Prayer. I'm going to come back to prayer multiple times. You're going to end <laughs> this service in prayer. We're going to be you know, doing a lot of that. But I just want to start with, you can hear it in Johan as well, prayer is the key tool for invitation and mission. And so to begin, if you are sitting here being like, I feel so moved by that story, what would it look like for you to pray and be like, Jesus, I want you to awaken my heart to have a mission like Johan, to be excited about what you're doing. Awaken in me how great it is to know you, Lord Jesus. So I invite you to think about that. What does it look like for you to pray into that as we are called to do the same? And also, I love that Johan, he's reading stories Just as we heard his, he's read stories of people throughout the years that have inspired him. And I love that he talks about sitting in the gospel. We need story, we need to remember that God is active and moving. Because again, I think in Australia, we've kind of had this perspective of maybe even a disbelief, a doubt, or we felt a bit disheartened about people coming to know Jesus here. 
And you know what, let's be honest, sometimes this gets really personal and sometimes it's our family and friends that we've seen walk away. And that's hard. But God is doing something and he is actually bringing people back home. And that includes the people that are close to you. And so I think it's time to look at a new narrative of Australia and to be excited about what he's doing and ask you and invite you to be looking at it not through doubt but actually through faith and belief that he wants to bring more people into the kingdom in this part of the world in particular. Maybe we haven't seen that yet personally, but it's happened before. We are labelled a secular nation, but... There are some stats I'd like to share with you that kind of disprove or are going against that very narrative. If you've been following Pete Gregg, who was here a couple of weeks ago, he put this up on his Instagram, and it's data from Alpha, the organization. Um, and they did some research, and as you can see, 70% of the nation, that's of Australia, admit that they regularly talk to God. 70% in this secular city, apparently are talking to a God that they apparently don't believe in. 70%. One in four Australians would willingly come to church if invited. Isn't that fascinating? One in four. And then finally, it means a quarter of the population await an invite. Someone is just waiting for you to invite them along. Just like Johan. For what did he say four out of five times? He's like, they come. Hey, you want to come to church? Or you want to tag along? Really enjoy Johan's language, the way he talks about it. But aren't those stats fascinating? Yeah, God's doing something. We've also had others who have lived overseas for a while. They've come back to Melbourne, and they're just like, I don't know what's happening in these churches, but there's something else that's different. When I grew up here and went to church, it wasn't like this. There's a, something exciting taking place, this idea of renewal and people coming to church and people being awakened. Like, I don't, I don't remember this as a kid. There's something going on. You know, sometimes it takes those fresh hours being out of the context and then coming back. You know, Daniel this week met up with someone to have a conversation about joining Red, and he was in like a wine bar cafe kind of hybrid thing. It's Melbourne, of course, that's a thing. And um, just chatting away, finishes up, goes up to get some craft beer, as you do, and um, puts it down on the counter, and the gentleman who's about to serve him says, what do you do for work? Not even, hey, how you going? These are a good one, a good beer. He's just like, what do you, what do, you do for work? And Daniel's like, I'm a pastor. And he's like, I knew it. <laughs> Daniel's just like, Okay. Um, he's just like, oh, I knew it. Do you know, I've got an employee. He's gone back to church, and he's loving it. <laughs> and Daniel's like, cool. And he said, oh, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. Like, I grew up in the church, but I haven't been for ages. But he's just like, he's loving it. I can't believe it. So Daniel starts sharing a little bit about, you know, what Jesus is up to and that he is moving and he's changing people. And the guy's listening, being like, yeah, okay. Wow. Well, yeah, I don't know what's happening, but I think, I think there's something going on. You know, this guy <laughs> you'd never pick in Australia selling beer is like, oh, maybe something's happening in the church. <laughs> and so what does Daniel do? Hey, you should come along to church. 
invites him along. And this guy's like, yeah, okay, this is a local place. And he's like, it's just around the corner in Nunawading, you should pop in. Just invites him. And the guy's really open to you. This is what's happening. The narrative is changing. God is doing something in here, in this city, in this neighborhood, and in our country. So let's be expectant. Let's pray for an awakening to that. Let's remind ourselves that it is good to follow Jesus and that there are many people who are just waiting to be invited or be told or even are hassling you in a way. Daniel didn't even have to open his mouth. <laughs> you know what else Johan said, which I really like? He just said, um, this story is real. When he talks about the gospel, it's not just something that lays flat on the page before him. He's like, this is real and alive. He lives in the now and not yet, which we all do. That's post-Jesus' death and resurrection. He has promised that he will return and he will bring the kingdom here. And we will see it in its fullness. But for now, we only see it in part. But it will come. So it's the now and not yet, which is a common theological phrase, I suppose, to explain it. And so there is a sense in which we sometimes fall into the like, oh, yeah, well, it'll come, so we'll just wait. But remember that it's now and not yet. So what about now? Prophetically, if you look at our story, at this grand narrative, I say it all the time because it's our story, and I'm going to keep saying it, this is what we live in. If you go back to Isaiah, Isaiah 9, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is Jesus coming. He's speaking prophetically. There is something coming. Wake up. The light is shining. There is going to be a kingdom that will last for all time. If you go on to read more of Isaiah 9, it speaks about that famous passage we often hear at Christmas, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his kingdom will never end. Now and not yet. And then you move fast forward into the Gospels, and then you have Jesus. He's arrived. This light has come, and in Mark 1.15, he says, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. The kingdom of God is now. Jesus is like, it's here, I've arrived, the kingdom is coming. What Isaiah predicted, what the ancient old of Abraham, Moses, what they were waiting for, it is here now. And then after his death and resurrection, his disciples, Peter, wonderful Peter, he writes in 1 Peter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The kingdom is here now. It can never perish, spoil, or fade. Anything that is of the kingdom is of everlasting presence, and it is now as well as not yet. And it is a living hope. Jesus is alive, and he's still moving and leading and speaking and drawing us to him. We need to wake up. And so what does it look like for us to pray, as I said, into this very reality, the living hope 
this light, as Isaiah describes it. As Jesus said, literally, the kingdom is at hand, it's here and now. How do we pray and participate in that and be awoken to the living hope and pay attention to it? What does that look like? Shifting our perspective, teaching us to see things maybe we've never seen them before. Have you ever had that um, experience where I only use, like, when you buy a new car, you're looking at a new car and then all of a sudden you see that car everywhere? Right? So I looked up what this thing's called because I've experienced it myself. It's called a frequency illusion, and it's um, it's a cognitive like a cognitive thing. Anyway, I just I was looking at being like that's so interesting. I found it fascinating, and um, so I was researching it. And Anina Rich from Macquarie University in Sydney, she's a cognitive a professor of cognitive, cognitive science, ooh, mouthful, she goes on to explain what frequency illusion is because I was like, well, how does this happen? Why does this happen? And she says there's two parts to it. One part is the perception of increased frequency. The second part is a confirmation bias where you believe that it didn't happen before at the same frequency. But in reality, the frequency hasn't changed. You just weren't noticing it because your attention wasn't being drawn to it. Isn't that the kingdom? And when you pray, you're giving yourself attention to the kingdom and saying, God, awaken me to that. And then all of a sudden, you're just going to see it everywhere and probably say to yourself, how did I not see it? That's what happens when we pray. There's this cognitive thing that's happening, but there's also this spiritual thing because remember, we are body and spirit. We're made of the dust and God breathed his life into us and so we dwell in both. And when we pray, the frequency of the kingdom almost gets louder and our vision becomes more astute. And our hearing, we can hear it, see it, it becomes so much more real to us. This is how Johan sees the world. When he's walking around at uni thinking about who he's gonna next invite to church, the kingdom is at hand in his life. Who can I invite? Who's moving? God, what are you up to? What would it look like for us to be awakened by praying and tune into that kingdom frequency. That's the first one. Let's be awakened to what God's doing because the kingdom is here and now. Secondly, I want to pull out that thought, living hope, that phrasing in 1 Peter is really great because we, obviously, the importance of Jesus' death is really significant, that he takes all of sin upon himself. He makes it possible for us to re-enter relationship with God in that intimate way. And in his resurrection, that means that we can do that now and that he will come back, and that's great. But also, we need to realize the significance of his life, that he is living now, and that he has given us life. And so how do we live into this? In Romans 5.10, it says, For while, If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Yes, the significance of his death, but also the significance of his life, saved by his life, ongoing. He's living and moving, living hope. Now the kingdom is at hand. How do we walk in that and continue to be saved as we await his return? And Jesus did this in the Gospels. We see this. This is the best, one of the best parts about Jesus. He comes to earth and shows us what it means to live in the now. The kingdom is at hand. And you see different scriptures throughout the Gospels that say Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus was filled with the power of the Spirit and went out. 
That's how he begins his ministry after being in the desert. And so we're called to also live in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. That's what it means to live in life with Jesus, right? Holy Spirit has come and fills us so that we can live with him in the living hope. And so we need to be empowered by the Spirit, empowered to pray into this kingdom now. Again, Johan, I love, shared, he's got an Excel spreadsheet. Of course he does. For the different people for different days. So we interviewed him on a Wednesday. That's why we got to hear about the uni students on a Wednesday. Don't know what else is on that list. But maybe you're not an Excel person. I'm definitely not. But what would it look like for you to intentionally be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Ask Holy Spirit, who do you want me to pray for today? Who have you placed around me? Mark it down in your diary or in your calendar. Pick a day that, you know, is around, okay, this is my immediate family on Mondays. Tuesday, I want to pray for my workplace. Wednesday, I want to pray for the nation. You know, you know who it is. He prays for them day by day. And you know what? There's power in that prayer, not because of what you've done necessarily, not because of the relationships you have, but because of who you're praying to and who you're asking You're speaking to the living God, to Jesus, our living hope. Then as it said in the Great Commission, as you go out, it says that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. All authority. And you're praying to him and saying, Lord Jesus, I pray for my family right now. I know they are far from you, but I know that you have all authority on heaven and earth to bring them home. Please bring them home. Lord Jesus, this person is in deep pain in their life, or maybe they're really unwell, and I sit with them day after day at work, and they need to know your healing. Please, Lord Jesus, will you come? You have authority in heaven and earth. Will you bring your healing and bring them home? What does it look like to pray in the Spirit to the King of Kings so that the kingdom would come now? And so I want to ask, what would it look like for you to say to, to say to Jesus, please give me a heart for those around me. Teach me to intercede for them. And what does it look like to pray? Like Johan talked about praying specific prayers, warfare prayers, some of which I've just said, for breaking down of walls, for removal, removal of scales from eyes, for an openness, praying for their heart. Johan talks about a softening of heart. Maybe words of knowledge or images. Because again, this is what Jesus modeled, isn't it? Who did he have mission to or who was his mission to? Pretty much everyone. Everywhere Jesus went, he was telling them about the kingdom or showing them or healing them or just speaking about it. Think about it. If you look through the Gospels, he was constantly interrupted. But could we really call it an interruption when that was his main mission? The woman at the well, John 4. He's just walking through Samaria and sits at a well and meets this woman. And what does he offer her? Living water, but also a word of knowledge. Remember, Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer, and so he sits with her and he's like, he speaks something to her story so, so intimately that it awakens her to the kingdom. We follow him, we can do the same. As Johann shared, he prayed for someone. He didn't tell the full story. 
But he prayed for someone one day and he had a sense they were feeling um, anxiety and fear. And so when he met with them, prompted by the Holy Spirit, he was like, have you been feeling this recently? And they were like, yes. How did you know that? Holy Spirit will empower you. So word of knowledge. Luke 19, Jesus is walking on the road in a big crowd and Zacchaeus is up in the tree. And he's like, I'm having dinner at your house. Hospitality, being seen and known. That's what Jesus does on that occasion. That's the way he shares the kingdom. I want to sit with you. I want to look you in the eye and say you have a place and a purpose. We are also called to do that. In John 5, the paralyzed man at the pool. Let's zoom out, do a wide, wide lens on that shot. We only think about him because that's what we read about. But that pool was surrounded by a bunch of people that needed healing. But Jesus had prayed He arrives at the pool and finds a specific man and he says, I'm going to go and talk to this one. And on that occasion, he doesn't offer a word of wisdom. He doesn't ask to have dinner with him, but he asks him a question. Do you want to become well? And so we two are the same. As we pray and as we encounter different people, sometimes it'll be a question that unlocks them to the kingdom. Sometimes it'll be just offering to see them and sit with them. Sometimes it'll be a word of knowledge. And finally, in Matthew 8, these are just a few. There's so many in the Gospels. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. But the man comes to Jesus. He approaches Jesus, kneels before him and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reaches out and touches him and says, I am willing. Or look to pray for someone. And say, Jesus, can you bring healing? Can you come close if you are willing? We are meant to be like him. And so when we invite, there are so many ways that we do that. And as we're empowered by Holy Spirit, we're led by him to be like, what is it today, Lord Jesus, that you want me to say to this per- person? Do you want me to just sit with them? Do you want me to just be with them? Is there a prayer? Is there? We don't have to work it all out, which kind of takes some of the pressure off. But when we're empowered with the Holy Spirit, he will lead us in that just as he did. And just as modeled, Jesus modeled, and so what it look like for us to intercede, to pray for people around us, asking Holy Spirit, give me a heart for those you've placed around me. You know, I recently was out at a gathering um, with some friends in the city, and there was a bunch of different people from all different places, so kind of just meeting different people, which was super fun. And I met this one girl, got chatting, and as always, people ask you what you do, and, you know, I'm a pastor, so the conversation goes a particular direction, often. I will actually can go in a couple ways from that statement. Anyway, um, she's sharing and she said to me, oh, actually, I've just recently started going back to church. And I was like, oh, tell me more. She's like, oh, i got to tell you, it was the weirdest thing. So she's like, my grandma used to take me to church and, like, I went to a Catholic church when I was a kid, but I haven't been for years. Like, I'm talking ages. And I was like, okay. She said to me, I just all of a sudden felt so compelled to read the Bible. She was like, no, like, you got to hear me. Like, it was annoying. Like, really, like, really compelled. And I was just like, yeah. So she's like, and so eventually I decided, well, I better go get a Bible. And she only had, like, an old one that kind of didn't mean anything to her. So she went and she bought a new Bible. And this girl's quite fun and bright. So she decided to get a pink Bible. So she's this pink Bible she's carrying around and kind of starts reading it. 
And all of a sudden, she's just like, yeah, I, just, I wanted to read the Bible more. And then she was like, I guess I better go to church. So she starts trying to look up churches in the city, and she's been to a few, and her colleagues one weekend are like, so what are you up to on the weekend? She's like, well, I'm actually looking at churches. And they were like, whoa. She's like, yeah, I've started reading my Bible. And they're like, oh, can you tell us more? She's evangelizing, and she doesn't even know it because Holy Spirit is moving her so strongly. I don't know who prayed for her, but there was a grandma in her story. At some point, she's probably prayed for her, daughter, her granddaughter. I'm going to intercede for my granddaughter that she would encounter God at some point. Timing is totally his. The way he does it, totally his. But genuinely, this girl, Holy Spirit, just was like, it's time for you to come awake. Isn't that incredible? Final little part to her story. She was in the city struggling to find a church, you know, really trying to push herself to do this. It's all feeling a bit new. Kind of a last call. She's in an Uber and she's just like, all right, I'm going to try one more time. And so she starts Googling the church. Church is in Melbourne and one pops up. So she says to the Uber driver, hey, can you pop me off, uh, drop me off at this point? Um, so she jumps out, walks into this church and is like, all right, I'm going to give this one a go. And finally, it felt like home. And she was like, oh, this is it. I'm meant to be here. And so I met her at that point. And I met someone else there who had become great friends with her. And she's immediately found community and family and now goes to church regularly and carries a pink Bible around. And goodness knows what's going to happen to her colleagues, but I bet they're probably going to end up at that church as well. God's doing something, right? So what does it look like for us to intercede for the people around us, to pray and believe that God will move, that he already is moving? And again, I come back to that beautiful thing of praying for people's hearts, how important that is. This is not about how well we can speak out the gospel or how well we can argue, get our apologetics right. Actually, it's about softening of hearts. As it says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What would it look like for us to pray for hearts to be open? Because it isn't just a knowledge, it's a belief from our hearts. So number two, empowerment by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I, I love these stories. It's a real privilege to be able to tell them. But recently I find myself kind of, I get caught up if I'm in the midst of kind of chatting to someone about church or I'm a pastor, so, you know, that conversation. And I realize sometimes we just get so caught up, that idea of you going out and doing this and talking about who Jesus is. Sometimes we're like, but what am I going to say? And I don't know the narrative. I mean, Johan, love it. Sometimes I just tell them the whole narrative from the beginning all the way to the end. And then they, I was like, oh my gosh, amazing. And maybe we can all grow to do that. But that's when we make it about us, isn't it? It's not about how we perform. You don't have to know the gospel in and out, but you know who is written in it. And all you're doing is inviting them to meet him. So let's take the pressure off. Let's not make it about us. And not worry about what's going to take place if you invite someone to church and they say no. It's okay. You invited them. Remember God's timing, his movement. 
All he asks of us is just invite, just be open, just tell them about me. Again, your heart's phrasing. You just tag in along with Jesus. He's already doing it. Another story, why not? Someone told me this the other day. They got woken up uh, quite early one morning, a little bit begrudgingly, had hoped for a sleep in. And we're like, okay, I'm gonna go up and go for a walk. It's actually in this neighborhood. So they went for a walk and incidentally run into someone that they haven't seen for months and someone who's kind of like a loose friend and they had meant to catch up with them to talk about giving them some career advice. And so, you know, this is early morning, they meet um, and have a conversation and this woman shares she's actually quite unwell. And so this interaction kind of changes in that moment or it's different to what had been expected. And the conversation ends up being almost like, well, I still need that advice, but it's a little bit different now because I know who you follow. I know that you're a Christian, and I know that you actually have an answer. This woman is looking at a really um, significant illness that may lead to passing away. And so she's like, but you, you have the advice because you have that faith. She's evangelizing to the person that follows Jesus. And this person is just like, yeah, yeah, yes. They walk along, chat a little bit more, and then they're about to part ways. And this woman who's woken up early in the morning says, okay, well, I'll pray for you. And the other woman goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> so they're praying just in one of the streets around here. Can you imagine that? If you're thinking, like, when am I going to fit in this time to talk to people? I don't really know. God's going to probably make you run into someone. And even that, you don't even have to work hard. Hey. They're already like, yeah, tell me, tell me about it, tell me. I want to know. I'll pray for you. Yeah, I'm ready now. Let's pray. <laughs> God's doing something. He's moving. Let's get out of the way in the sense of let's not work out what we have to do or how clever we're going to be or who it's going to be, but let's just be ready. Let's be open. And I think it's really important to remember there is power in the gospel. Sometimes we get so familiar with it. And that's why we need to pray to be awoken to it. But do we actually believe in the simplicity and the power of telling the gospel? Romans 1 and 16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 1 Peter 3, 15, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Do you know how powerful hope is and how dangerous it is to the enemy? Are you, do you feel like you're prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have? Again, sometimes we get into like, okay, well, I've got to memorize the gospel story and I've got to be able to do it from start to end. No, no, no. What's happening in you now? How do you contextualize the gospel? How do you bring it to the scenario that you're in. And let me just be clear, I'm not saying dilute the gospel. The power of the gospel is, as it is, you don't have to change that. But how do you bring the gospel to life in your story? Something that you know so well, you know that big narrative going on. How is that alive in your story? It's basically giving testimony. Johan hinted at it a little bit. 
when he's like, I just share the gospel. And I was like, okay, whoa, 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 Johan, how do you actually share the gospel? And he talked about the big narrative. But he also said sometimes he relates his story to theirs. When he talks about the Ten Commandments, he also mentioned when we sat with him, he's quite open about his faith. He lets his faith be on display. Hope on display. We're following Jesus, who is our living hope. What does it look like for us to be living hope, to embody that, to be allowing that to be seen in our lives? And I love the little snippet, the way that your hunter says, well, you know, I just talk about the Ten Commandments. But equally, he said in that, if you caught it, that I am right there with them, that I need Jesus just as much as the person I'm telling. It's that understanding that we're all actually in exile as we wait for Jesus to come, that not yet. We're all traveling on the same journey. The difference is that you know Jesus. We all still feel that. Life is hard. It feels like we're in exile. Sometimes it feels like we're wandering around in the desert. It's dry. It can be lonely and we're thirsty. But the difference is you have Jesus. And so when you sit with someone, it's almost like you're like, I'm here with you. I can relate to you. I know what it means to be exiled. But I'm going to offer you some water. You know the source of living water. You have that. And so you come with your hands and say, actually, this is what keeps me going. Can I offer it to you? And also, if you think about it, people that we come alongside and we walk with, the places that we go, they're lost because they don't know where we're going. But as followers of Jesus, we know where we're headed. We're going to the promised land. And so the water that you offer is going to be in abundance there, and you give them a taste, and you're just like, just wait till we get to the promised land. We're going to be swimming in this, and you will be fully restored. What does it look like for you to relate and contextualize the gospel, to meet people in that sense of exile, because we all are, but then say, hey, I know someone, and share hope in the midst of whatever circumstance you find yourself in and whoever you're talking to as Johan did. So let's learn how to contextualize the gospel. You would just give it a go. That's like, I like Johan, he's so like breezy. You know, ah, just tell him about this. But what's gonna be compelling is your hope and your love of Jesus. That will come through in your words. That will come through in the way that you are open to them. That's the water. That's what they taste and see. Or the way that you navigate things at work, perhaps, if it's work colleagues you're thinking of. The way that you love when they would be like, I'd be so angry at them. But no, you choose love. And they taste. They get a little sip of something. That's living hope. So what does it look like? Empowered by the Holy Spirit to contextualize the gospel in your life and share it with others. It's almost, or another word you can use, is Proclamation. You are proclaiming who Jesus is. It moves from testimony to proclamation. It's your story that hits and aligns with the greater narrative. This is actually who Jesus is, and this can happen in your life. And proclamation always leads to demonstration. Again, Johan's story. He tells them about Jesus. He aligns with them. I sit in exile with you. I'm a sinner as well, and we all need Jesus. 
And then he's like, so shall we meet him? He demonstrates it. And in the Gospels, when Jesus sends out his disciples, the 12 and the 72 later on, in Matthew 10, 7 to 8, he says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom is now. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Proclaim and demonstrate. They go hand in hand. And again, this can look different. Sometimes a demonstration could be a prophetic word. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. But then also, hey, has this been going on in your life? I get a sense. Had this image. You're demonstrating something of the kingdom. Or maybe it is healing, as we talked about. Or maybe it's just going, do you know what? I've told you, but let's actually just sit with Jesus. And again, Johan didn't say it in this video, but when we're chatting to him, he mentioned a story where one time he talked about, you know, who Jesus was and used one of his two methodologies. And, um, and then he said, okay, well, let's, let's pray and meet him. And so he kind of just prayed something really simple, and they both just sat there in Jesus' presence. And then Johan's like, can you feel that? And the other person's like, yes. Oh. And Johan's like, that's Jesus. It can be that simple. All you're doing is introducing them to Jesus and be like, Jesus, come reveal. Because what is his heart? His heart is to know them, to love them, and reveal himself to them. So you invite them into it, and it's almost like you get to step out the way. But equally, you just sit there in his presence as well, something that you love to do. And so you proclaim, and then you demonstrate, and allow God to be God in that moment. And it takes faith in us to be like, okay, I'm really stepping out here. But I believe the kingdom is at hand, and so I'm going to pray and ask you, Holy Spirit, to do whatever you want to do in this person right now, and wait and watch and delight and celebrate. And as Johan did, point it out. Can you feel that? Did you notice that? That's him. That's God. So to finish... It's really important to be able to keep perspective in all of this. This is God's heart. He is taking us to a place, to the promised land, where all will be united, where we get to know him in his fullness. This is God's mission. As Johan said, he's already doing this. You just get to tag along and be part of it. And releasing the outcome to God. What actually moved me the most talking to Johan is when he said, how he deals with disappointment is he comes before God and he weeps. Because I know you probably have a story, I have a story of a place of like, God, when's, when is it going to happen? I'm praying. really want them to meet you. They need you. Bringing that before him, continually weeping before him. This is your mission that God is speaking to them. He is drawing them out and coming and bringing all of our emotion before God in that, being like, we want to see this too. We trust your will and your timing. But also it's okay to just be before him and really feel that. I think I like that about Johan. He's like, I'm honestly just weeping. And then he said as well, he doesn't get an answer. 
but he trusts that God is God. He holds that big narrative. God, this is where you're headed, and so I give it to you. And again, Johan, such simple words. He said, it helps me find my place in this narrative. Steadies my feet. Otherwise, I'd just be running in my own strength. This is his work. We just get to partner to it, partner with him in it. But he has invited us. Remember the Great Commission. I'm calling you, I'm sending you, and I'm giving you authority and power to go out and make disciples. It's almost as if Jesus is saying to us, hey, guys, go get the others. Go get them. Come on. They want to come home. Pray for them. Sit with them. Cry out. Intercede for them. Fight for them. Tell them about who I am. Go get the others. Because he wants to bring them all home. And he's asked you to partner with him in that. Prayer is the primary tool for invitation and mission. It begins with prayer. So let's pray to be awakened for a heart for mission. Let's pray to be empowered to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray so that we can proclaim the gospel and contextualize it. Give testimony to who Jesus is in your life so that they see him and say he can do this for you. He's the same God. And finally, let's demonstrate it and pray that Holy Spirit would move, inviting people into Jesus' presence and just getting out of the way and letting God be God. Because his kingdom is at hand and he is moving here in Melbourne, he's moving in your lives, and he wants to welcome other people home. So we're going to end. You would have found a little card on your seat. If you open it up, there's a spot for three names. I want to invite you. We're going to actually end by spending some time just sitting in uh, kind of like a prayerful space. The worship team are going to jump up and create just that environment. We'll lead into worship in a bit. But I get you to just pray. Holy Spirit, who have you put around me? How can I pray for them? What would it look like to invite them along? And then write down three names. There could be groups of people as well. You're not limited to three, please. If you need an Excel spreadsheet, get home, get that happening. But for now, let's start with three, hey? Let's spend some time with God and ask him to awaken us. Who is it around me that you want me to invite and start praying for and believing that you want to bring home? Go for it. Go for it.